podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 30 and we are talking UFC 251 from last night. This show is available live on Facebook, YouTube and Periscope and Twitter. And of course you can find all our different shows on Ace Podcast Nation, home to many a series uh, with top guests, expert analysis and much more. Uh, you can follow us on social media, all the links are in the description, and of course the YouTube channel, if you could give us a little subscribe, it's youtube.com slash acepodcastnation, and again, everything's in the in the description below. And uh, joining me today, because uh, Mr. Danny Batten is uh, not with us, he's uh, out in Dubai for the UFC Fight Island week with uh, Modestus, so uh, we have some two special guests instead of the usual one. So, uh, first of all, I got pro MMA fighter, Mr. Richard Mearns, back again. How are you, yeah, sir? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? All right, mate. You're yeah, back, for, back for more, mate. Back for more, yeah. you are. And uh, I'm also thrilled to welcome back uh, to the channel, but not the show because he's never been on this show before, is uh, one of the best MMA journalists and interviewers in the world, in my opinion. Uh, currently working at MMANews.com, Canada's own, Mr. James Lynch. How are you, my friend? Doing well, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. It's good. It's good to have you back. Of course, you came on uh, on the channel way back, I think it was something like episode 20, and I think we're on about episode 229, this is. So it feels like another lifetime ago. Um, so, James, you've recently kind of changed uh, changed jobs and changed, uh, changed what you're doing as such, but whilst keeping it the same, you were with The Score in Canada, which is... Uh, I believe it's, it's that's a TV channel overall, isn't it? In, uh, in it used Canada? to be a TV channel. It's a uh, it's it's like a sports app. They're sort of known for that. They're like I think the second largest sports app in in North America behind ESPN. They're that's sort of like they're like a digital media company now. Okay, got you. And um, so you're working with MMANews.com and and uh, a lot of other places, judging by your social media. <clears throat> yes, yeah, we'd be here for a while if I had to list <laughs> off everywhere I work. But uh, yeah, I'm just I'm going back to doing what I was doing before, which is uh, you know being a full time freelancer. So you'll see my interviews on a variety of different outlets. Uh, I'll still be doing my podcast, still be doing my Q and A's, things like that. But uh, yeah, just now I've just got a bunch of different homes, but still doing the same work. Didn't didn't skip a beat uh, when uh, the score decided to to go in a different direction with their MMA coverage. It's all good. Cool, cool. Um, okay, so UFC. 251 last night we'll talk about that in just a second of course uh, at the end of the show we will also uh, i'll ask you guys about some of the the uk fighters over the next couple of weeks or the next week or so and then um, well if there's any questions from people we'll answer them as well but um richard overall thoughts of the of the show what did you think uh yeah it's a good show i was um i was massively looking forward to this one because a few of my like favorite fighters were on it um Huge fan of Rose Namajunas. I was so excited to see her back in because I know she took a little break from the sport. Um, she's the type of fighter that really knows what's up with her headspace, and uh, I think that was necessary. And she looked great on the night. Uh, George Masvidal, big fan favorite. Last three fights have just been explosive. So when he was on the card, late notice, I was thinking, wow, 
could could see something else spectacular again. Uh, Max Holloway and Volkanovski. I'm a great fan of both of them, um, particularly Max Holloway. I think you know he's one of the greatest featherweight. Is the greatest featherweight of all time, actually. I'd say. Um, so yeah, I was really looking forward to this card. Yeah, I think um, certain Holloway certainly <laughs> got a shout for the for the the greatest featherweight of all time. You know, there's. I saw an interesting conversation on Twitter actually earlier where, as Twitter people do, they start arguing with each other over random stuff. But um, there's an argument to be made, I think, that Aldo kind of pre, well, sort of before 2015 is probably right up there. He dominated uh, various places and, you know, obviously the last couple of years things haven't gone as smoothly for him. Um, James, what were your? Go on, sorry, go on. Go on so I think it's hard for any any champion once they're dethroned. Um, it's a hard game from that point, and then they might need to start looking to exit or maybe take a layoff. Um, if you look at GSP, for example, when he was looking not so dominant, so like the early GSP was George Rush Saint Pierre because he was explosive, and then um, when they become champions, it's more like methodical ways of getting the job done, and. Uh, when a champion's dethroned, they're still like number one contenders. So at that point, every fight is just as dangerous as a championship fight. And uh, it's, it's hard going because you're going to be fighting the best in the world. And you string together two losses and people start to say, oh, oh maybe, maybe um, Aldo's lost it. He's had two back-to-back losses. But no, these are all the number one title contenders. But without that lure of being the champion, it's, it's a hard game. Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing to that is the way he lost his title to McGregor. Mm. Um, and it was quite personal in the build-up. And I think probably psychologically yeah, yeah. that's going to have an, uh, an effect on any yeah. fighter in the, in the aftermath. Um, James, where do you stand on Holloway as the greatest featherweight of all time and also like your overall thoughts of the show? Holloway's an outstanding featherweight fighter. <laughs> he had a great body of work of him finishing Aldo twice in the division, but greatest of all time to me, it's, we got to see a little bit more that, you know, in terms of what he was able to do at featherweight, because, you know, Aldo had the title for how many years? It was like seven years. He was the champion. Like if you include the WEC as well, um, Holloway's going to go down as one of the all time greats. But I think to, to say that he's the greatest featherweight of all time is kind of tough just because we haven't seen mm-hmm. him defend his title that much. Um, so I, I think that's sort of what I like basing it on. If we're going to have that sort of conversation and in terms of Aldo, cause you guys were talking about there it is so hard to compete at a high level i know aldo's not that old but it kind of reminds me a bit of fedor emelianenko i mean he was a guy that was considered the best heavyweight fighter of all time for years he fought Mm. the best of the best when he was in pride when pride had the best heavyweights and now people kind of brush that off because of the streak he had after that and strike force and obviously losing a bit in bellator as well but we can't ignore that body of work i mean aldo what he did in the featherweight division no matter what he does going forward even him losing last night it doesn't change anything about the body of work he did as featherweight champion so i think that's something we can't ignore um, you know, I don't know what's next for him after this point. Uh, you know, he tried to make history last night and being a, a double champion, right? Having won in featherweight, uh, the featherweight title and the bantamweight title. But you got to look at who he's fighting as well, too. He's not fighting any easy opponents. I don't know anyone who's had a tougher run over the last two years in terms of opponents. And he had some wins in there, too. He knocked out Jeremy Stevens. He finished or he uh, went, went the distance and beat uh, Frankie Edgar at UFC 200. So um, I think in terms of Aldo and his placement and stuff, you can't take away what he did at featherweight. But uh, yeah, it's just unfortunate now that he just he's fighting guys that are just you know at, at a higher level at this point. Yeah, and I was surprised to find out that Hollow, uh, uh, Aldo's not even thirty five yet. I couldn't believe yeah. that yeah. just because of the amount of time he's been around. Um, so I was really surprised by that. 
Um, and also, if you look at the the featherweight division as a whole, and the bantamweight division actually, they are insane in terms of quality. Because um, yeah. I was looking at the, we were looking at the, me and Danny were looking at the bantamweight division on last week's show, and um, you've got guys like Jack Shaw ranked down at number fifty, and really, like we were, we were, we were saying we wouldn't mind seeing him face someone like an Aldo or someone really high up and see how he gets on because he's so highly thought of, and then he's ranked 50 there's so many names in there and and the featherweight division is you know just the same there's just so much quality in there it's very difficult to 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 get to the top and then stay there um james what did you think overall of the show i thought it was a pretty good card overall i mean there was a few things that obviously took away some of the thunder uh, a couple controversial decisions um you know especially on the undercard i thought that flyweight fight between pavia and uh, zumagulov um should have went the other way same with the uh, sakalov and um and zaleski fight i thought zaleski clearly won that fight i know people will say the holloway and volkanovsky fight was a robbery I think you can't use that word if the if, if there was a clear winner in, in different rounds. For example, like I think Holloway won rounds one and two decisively. No argument there. I thought Volkanovski clearly won four and five. It comes down to round three, which I think was very close. Um, I don't have an issue with people saying Volkanovski won the fight if you're basing it off that third round because I think Volkanovski, you could make an argument for him winning that third round just like you could make an argument for Max Holloway winning the third round. I think either way, 48-47 either way, it, there's no issue with, with me there. It's just unfortunate because of the um, sort of the implications of that because now Max has lost twice to Volkanovski according to the record and now you know where does he go from here does he stick around at featherweight it's probably going to be a while until he gets another title shot uh does he go up to 155 again I personally think that's a better move for him there's bigger matchups for him at 155 but um yeah I think overall this this card um you know did quite well not one of the best ever but uh you know in the main event I mean just the style matchup going into it. I mean, we were sort of romanticizing about Masvidal, you know, potentially pulling off this huge upset. And I think most people knew that wasn't going to happen, especially with the optics of him coming in on short notice, facing a guy who's a great wrestler. Um, I, I just think in general, like, uh, you know, that that main event, maybe not the most entertaining main event we've seen. So uh, I think overall it was a good card, but not like an amazing or great card, so to speak. Yeah, I think on paper, it looked like it could be a absolutely sensational card. And then in reality which you know so often happens because it's the fight game um it was it was good it wasn't great in my opinion um but it was very enjoyable i, I was at no point was i mm. kind of looking at my watch or scrolling through my phone while i was watching it which you know in 2020 yeah. that's almost how i gauge whether whether things are keeping my attention is whether i look down at my phone to check twitter or facebook or something <laughs> Sad as it may be, um, so as usual, we we tend to stick mainly to the um, to the main card as we go through stuff. But um, there's a couple of things I do want to mention from the prelims. Uh, so firstly, I you know we have to mention uh, Vulcan Ozdemir. Uh, he got knocked out, and uh, James, I'm going to leave the pronunciation of his opponent to you because I I butcher these poor people's names. Um, but yeah. Uh, tell tell me your thoughts, James, just on that fight. Uh, and and Ozdemir, where does he go from here? Well, I my pronunciation's not much better. I only realized after watching the broadcast that I've been saying uh, Yuri Perhaska's last name wrong the entire week. I was saying Yuri Perhaska or something. I forget. Uh, either way, the guy from Ryzen. That stick it at that. Yeah. The, the light heavyweight who came over from Ryzen. I was really impressed. So a couple things about this. Um, number one, uh, Perhaska was a guy that was finishing a lot of his opponents. But you look at the level of competition. Nowhere close to Vulcan Ozdemir, in my opinion. He's fighting guys like C.B. Dalloway and Maldonado, but those are guys that are kind of past their prime. King Mo, guys like that. So there was really 
a question of, you know, was he that skilled or was it just a case of him fighting easier competition? Well, he certainly answered that. And he was showboating a bit early. And I'll be honest, I was a little bit worried about that. I was like, man, is this guy really like, is it, does he know what he's doing here? Like, cause like, you know, this is Volkan Ozdemir, a guy mm -hmm. who's pretty tough to fight no matter what. I mean, Daniel Cormier couldn't finish this guy until the second round. It's not like he's an easy fight. So, uh, but, but what happened, of course, second round, overhand right, knocks out Volkan Ozdemir. Such an impressive win for a number of different reasons. Number one, they need some new blood in that 205-pound division. They've been struggling to find new contenders. Everyone thought it was going to be Johnny Walker, and then Corey Anderson got in the way and halted that hype train. Um, also, you know, Vulcan Ozdemir, uh, Ozdemir, I should say, he's a guy that, you know, has kind of had an up-and-down career. Like, he, he had the title shot. He has some good wins. Heading into this one, he had a two-fight win streak. But, you know, I, I think at this point, he's kind of, I don't want to say gatekeeper, maybe he's a little bit further than that, but I think it was still a formidable opponent and good matchmaking here by the UFC because they really wanted to see the ceiling of Yuri in that division and for him to go out there and knock him out because I'm just looking here, this is the only uh, this is only the second knockout loss of uh, Volkan Uzdemir's career. So that's a pretty impressive stat just considering how many guys Uzdemir has fought. Like we're talking guys like, you know, Anthony Smith, Dominic Reyes, um, you know, Daniel Cormier, Jimmy Manua, like like these are guys that have knockout power. So the fact that uh, Prohaska joins sort of a, a small list of him and Cormier is, is quite impressive in itself. And, you know, I saw a lot of people last night making the comparison of Prohaska to Johnny Walker. I don't I don't see that same comparison. A lot of people are trying to discredit the win, you know, saying that people are going to get too high on him. Uzdemir's a good opponent. He was ranked number seventh last night. This wasn't that was a bigger win than any of Johnny Walker's in the UFC. So we got to give him some credit for that. I agree, though. Don't push this guy. You know, don't say he's going to fight John Jones and has a chance. Let's see him build up in the division. Let's build him up slowly and see how he goes. But still, this was the best case scenario for the light heavyweight division last night. Yeah, I think so. I think um, if Ozdemir wins, we're just stuck in the, the same uh, vicious circle that we've been in for a, for a, for a while, shall we say. Um, I thought he was very impressive. And uh, it was one hell of a, hell of a knockout. Um, Richard, I, I nearly called um, you. I nearly called you Tom. Then, mate, I apologise. That's uh, I get all the time. Don't <laughs> worry. Um, uh, yeah, what did you think of it? This was interesting. Um, I've never. Is it Prohaska? Is that Prohaska? I believe the C is silent Prohaska. or something. That's what I noticed on the broadcast, anyway. So I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, it's interesting. Where's he from? Uh, Czech Republic. Really Czech, Czech Republic. Czech Republic. Yeah. Um, I found. I'd never seen him fight before. So then I, I quickly looked him up, and he's like a bit of a risen star boy there. Um, but I was watching the fight thinking he's going to get knocked out uh, because he's got baiting him with his chin, like, come on, come on, hit me, type thing. Um, and you see a lot of fighters do that, like Conor McGregor's most notable for it, but um, he doesn't take shots. Do you know what I mean? Like, he'll hands behind the back, show... It's to display his confidence, really. So Prohaska was trying to display, like, his superior confidence, which is kind of part of the psychological game plan. But he was getting caught and I was just like he's leaving his chin out there to say you can't get me but was getting tagged and I thought it really only takes one of those so the guy has a great chin he proved it but um, I was watching the fight and I was like wow he's got 27 wins he can't have won all his other 27 fights like that because the accumulation of damage over the years your chin does not it damages the nervous system and uh, I was just quite intrigued to see him fight like that i thought it was too risky and uh it wasn't slick enough to avoid the shots but it worked so yeah i'm, I'm excited to see more of him I, I wonder if he were maybe it was his ufc debut so he wanted to be extra spectacular and really make a statement by being quite ballsy but it was a risky game he was playing uh, and he pulled it off but i don't think he's 
I don't think he was in ultimate control. When you watch Conor McGregor do that kind of stroke broken, he knows he's, he's in ultimate control of the range, the tempo of the fight, everything like that. It was, it was risky. Good fight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was 100% risky. And I think also it, um, it was, I think you're right. I think he wanted to make, uh, you know, he wanted to make an impact. He wanted to real, really show that he was uh, the, the, the new guy on the scene. Um, and he obviously did that with the finish. Um, but it's a risk, isn't it? Particularly against a guy like Ozdemir, who can, yeah. you know, knock you out with one, one punch. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention about the uh, the, preview, uh, the prelims was, um, obviously, predominantly our viewers and listeners, particularly our listeners, um, are UK-based. So we like to put as much focus on the UK fighters as we can. And um, there was a, a young man called uh, Davy Grant, I think it's, was it Davy Grant? Yeah, Davy Grant, yes. uh, who fought on the prelims. I think it was the first fight of the night, actually. Um, and he picked up a, a very uh, impressive win in the end. Um, James, what did you make of this one, mate? Great fight. Absolutely great fight and best case scenario for Davy Grant at this point because uh, even though he's coming in uh, to this fight off a win, to get a finish like that over a guy in Martin Day who his last knockout loss was back in March of 2017, very impressive. And I actually thought... Martin Day was in control of this fight, so the fact that he went out there and was able to finish it later in the match just shows how talented he is. Davy Grant's had a rough go. I mean, we forget he he was a finalist on season 18 of The Ultimate Fighter when he lost to Chris Holdsworth. That was back in 2013. He's only fought five times since then. I know he had injuries. He had some other issues as far as him fighting as much, and he's kind of been a bit of an afterthought in the bantamweight division. But for him to go out there, compete on this mega card, and get a knockout like that to kick off the card, I think really reminded people how talented he is. And it was such a big win for him and just a big win as well for the UK market as they continue to try and, you know, bring up, uh, you know, new talent and, and try and get people that they can fill these cards with eventually once, you know, this COVID stuff sort of dies down a little bit. But that he's a guy that I know they're going to use going forward. So I think it was a really big win for him. For Martin Day, unfortunately, uh, that's two straight losses for him. Uh, like I mentioned, first knockout loss since 2017. So I have a feeling they'll keep him around. He's a Hawaiian guy. He's obviously very exciting to watch, very exciting to uh, watch compete and everything. So I think they'll give him maybe one more. But uh, this was a great fight and just really good matchmaking on the UFC's part because I kind of think what they were doing here was they were like you know what is the ceiling on Davy Grant where can he go in this division we're gonna give we're gonna give him a guy in Martin Day who's not gonna give you any inches he's, he's a Hawaiian he will get in your face he will try and knock you out so you can't get away with anything when you're fighting a Martin Day and Davy Grant like I said to be able to go out there and get a knockout over him huge win for him and huge win for the UK market as well too yeah it was a big test for Grant I thought um to cut you know to fight someone like Day uh, and, uh, you know, he must have had those nerves uh, because it's such a big, big card. Everyone's watching. There's not really any other combat sports or even sports in general on at the moment outside of soccer. Um, so, I mean, he had to do, he had to be, he had to put on a good performance, um, whether it, you know, whether, whether he took it to a decision or he finished the fight. And I thought he did that. Um, Richard, I know you didn't catch all of this one. Um, but what did you make of the, the, the bet you saw? Yeah, it was good. Um, uh, first time I'd actually seen uh, David Grant fight, and he seemed very like karate style, sort of how he, he slides in and slides out, if you know what I mean. Doesn't, you get to see some fighters that just march forward into the sort of fire, but he sort of slides in, slides out, throws um, small combinations, and then goes out again. And then, um, so I found that interesting. The leg kicks were doing brilliantly for him. But with the whole sliding in and sliding out, he got caught really hard in round one. He literally jumped in to an overhand, and uh, Martin Day timed it perfectly. But then the guy recovered, 
excellent job there. Um, and a nice uh, takedown from, I think it was round one. It was like a out of range takedown and then they hit the fence and then he gets the trip off there. It was a really good performance and a excellent knockout. Yes, indeed. He couldn't have, couldn't have done any more. Um, so it'd be interesting where where he goes next. I know pre-COVID they, were, they had a UFC London card ready and booked um and there's so much there is so much uk talent out there in the ufc already and also there's a there's a big pool kind of just underneath uh the ufc at the well richard as you know that you know in cage warriors there's some oh, yeah. quite big names just waiting to be signed um yeah. so I, I i would expect uh, a ufc london card sooner rather than later do you think james yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. It's really going to depend on COVID and, and everything that's sort of happening there. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's a huge market for them, right? So um, I, I'd imagine like they're, they're going to want to come like uh, that. That's the other thing, too. Like, I think once all this COVID stuff's over, you're going to see them go back to their, their bigger markets. Like up here in Canada, we haven't had a card since I think the Vancouver card last year. So uh, they're, I know they're going to come back to Canada at some point. They saw they signed another Canadian actually last week. I don't know if you guys saw Malcolm Gordon's going to be stepping in to fight. He's yeah. a top flyweight fighter. So uh, they're, they're obviously serious about coming back to Canada at some point, too. So just keep keep your eyes up for that once all this stuff hopefully dies down in the near future. Yeah, it seems to be slowly working towards normality. Um, I don't know what it's like over in Canada, James, but the UK is slowly uh, starting to get back to normal. I wouldn't, well, the new normal, I suppose, is what you would say. Mm. Um, We're actually doing okay over here. I can just quickly interject just to yeah, yeah. give you guys a little update. So it really depends on what province you're in, like in Ontario where Toronto is. Uh, it's still pretty bad as far as I, I know with the cases. Same thing with uh, Quebec as well. But out here where I live in British Columbia in Vancouver, um, it's actually been very good. We actually had phase three, I think like almost a month ago now. So wow. we were able to go back to the gym and everything. And it's been, the cases have been really low as have been the death tolls and everything. So we're like, we're really lucky being here because it seems like everyone's sort of been respecting, you know, the masks and the social distancing and all that. So it just depends where you go in Canada, but still no travel outside of Canada. Like I live five minutes away from the US border. I can't go there right now because like you, it's only essential like work and things like that. Okay, so yeah, like, Britain being Britain of uh, opening the pubs but not the gyms, which yes. is just, just still bizarre to me. But there priorities, we go. right? Isn't yeah, it? open <laughs> the, open the pubs but don't open the leisure centres and the gyms and the the health clubs. Yeah, but you know it is it is what it is. It, it, it's moving. Uh, is what I will say. It's moving towards normality, and I hope you know. Hopefully, we can get back. And I would think that the UFC will be putting on some massive massive cards down the road because I'd, pretty much every fighter wants to fight at the moment outside of maybe yeah. one or two. Um, okay, so let's move on to the the main card. Um, we started off with the two women's fights. Now, we've been 2020 uh, for all the bads that we've had in a whole variety of forms in 2020. Uh, women's MMA has not been bad. Uh, we've been treated to some very, very special uh, fights throughout the year uh, it's been incredible and uh, I don't think we were disappointed this evening either um, so first of all we had Amanda uh, Ribas versus Paige Van Sant in a strawweight bout uh, Richard what did you make of this one it wasn't too long only two um, minutes yeah, 21 it wasn't, wasn't sort of too much to discuss with this so Amanda I think was the obvious favourite she's on uh, she's 10 and 1 I believe her record now stands at or 11 or one but uh yeah it was really good um so uh she's got like an early sort of scarf hold tripped her down 
against the fence from there. And um, she was riding like, it was like a side control position, but quite high up on the chest. So at that point, I think, oh, um, Paige could quite easily sneak around the back and get the hooks in. And it did look like Paige was going to get the back take. But then um, Amanda managed just to hop over the back take attempt and then go for the armbar attack. Um, so at first she was sort of stacked underneath and then she turns on the shoulder and goes to belly down armbar. And that's sort of, yeah. that's all she wrote. Um, I know that Paige Van Zandt had a lot of surgeries on her arm. So I don't know if it was the arm that was being attacked, but uh, she was quick to tap and um, she tried to roll out of it. And uh, I think Amanda had um, the foot on the back of the head stopping stopping um, Paige from escaping. So yeah, it was really technical. Really yeah, it was quite. very, very, very good. Um, what's next for Paige Van Zandt, uh, James, do you think, as well as what your thoughts were on the fight? Uh, well, heading into the fight, I think it was pretty obvious. By the way, this was a flyweight fight, not strawweight. Sorry, um, so yeah, no, no worries. No, no, no. But Re Rebus has, has fought pretty much at strawweight. I think it was at flyweight because I don't think Paige could make uh, 115. I think that's okay. from what I was hearing was was the issue. So a lot of people, don't worry. I had a lot of people last night being like, wow, Amanda Rebus is going to be interesting for flyweight. But it's like, no, no, no. She's a strawweight. Mm. She's probably going to yeah. go back down to strawweight after this. But anyways, uh, the optics of this fight are this. Uh, the UFC knew exactly what they were doing with this fight. They don't want Paige Van Zandt in the UFC anymore. I think they know they, they can't get a lot out of her you know marketing wise and she's also been very vocal about fighter pay saying that she made more and dancing with the stars and she has her entire ufc career so that's why they gave her amanda rebus who basically is is going to be the, the future of the strawweight division in my opinion very talented fighter she was the biggest betting favorite on the card last night so it was pretty obvious what the ufc was doing here they weren't going to sign re they weren't going to resign van zandt uh they were going to you know be like all right well how good are you we're going to give you our best prospect and so obviously Page went out there, got submitted in the first round. Um, not entirely surprising. I was actually surprised that Rebus was able to finish her that quickly. I thought Van Zant, with it being a flyweight, which I think is a better weight class for her, I thought she would have been able to hang on a little bit more, maybe go the distance. But Rebus showing how talented she is. Paige is not going to be back with the UFC. I'd be very surprised if she came back. I think Bellator is most likely her husband, Austin Vanderford, is a middleweight fighter with them. Um, they'll do a better job of marketing her. They, they're sort of more on the entertainment side of things anyways. You just look at some of the signings they've had with yeah. you know, pro wrestler Jake Hager. They brought in D Dylan Dennis. Like They're more about the marketing side of things. And they can get away with it a little bit more too because it's not like you know outside of some of their top fighters they can make some fun matchups there too and flywood's a division as well that uh they're really still trying to build up on they have that really great champion alima Lee mcfarland so i think page going over there would, would make a lot of sense so uh so yeah i mean best case scenario for the ufc happened last night with the rebus getting a, a win over a notable name in page van zandt they're going to continue to build her up and with page uh with page herself i mean i think even off a loss bellator would be interested because they need more names for that flyweight division that's sort of what i think about everything yeah, I think I saw a lot of people uh, and our mutual friend, James uh, Sean Rossap, saying that um, they wouldn't be surprised to see Paige Van Zandt make a move to WWE. Um, she's kind of got that athletic look and she'll certainly, they would be interested. They'd certainly pay her a lot more than what the UFC probably have been uh, over the last year or so or a couple of years. So, you know, that's an option for her. If she wants to keep fighting, though, like you say, Bellator would be a, a, a very good shout um okay and then next up we had of course uh in my opinion was the fight of the night i really really enjoyed this uh, it was uh, number one ranked jessica andrade versus number two ranked rose namayunas this was very good and very enjoyable um and rose namayunas was back to her best i thought um so first round 
Uh, Richard, what did you make of this? And then who did you uh, give it to as well? Yeah, this was a brilliant fight. Um, I'm really excited to see Rose back. I think she was, um, you know, when she got the belt, I think she was struggling with fame a little bit. And um, which is, uh, she didn't seem too bothered about losing the belt or, I don't know, I listened to her on a few podcasts and I think she was uh, struggling with the fame and the pressure of being champion, but she seems to have got her head right. And um, the first round of this fight was uh, actually, I think, the closest of the few. Um, and it was hard, it was hard to actually score it, I find. Um, they're more sort of filling each other out. Um, so I struggled to actually pick a winner for this round. Um, but I'm okay. going to go with Rose. Yeah, I, I gave um, it to Rose marginally. They're, they're like um, opposite fighters, if you know what I mean. So the fight sort of takes place in the feet. And uh, Rose has sort of got more of the long range uh, boxing, like sharp jabs, long cross. And then... Um, Jessica comes in with sort of the bowler style, lots of head movement. She was, um, I think, overcooking the head movement in round one. Maybe that's just she's a bit shy. Usually, but when you fight, it's like the first point of contact is required before the nerves sort of start to disappear. But she was okay. really moving the head a hell of yeah, a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I'll give that first round to Rose. Yeah, it's interesting actually. In my notes, I had um, for the first round, I had that um, Rose's. I thought Rose's footwork was excellent. Um, yeah. And I thought that uh, the first round uh, I had that uh, Jessica's head movement was a bit, it was good, but it was quite wayward, quite maybe, like you said, used the perfect term, actually overcooked it a little bit. But bit I thought like after that, breeder. yeah, after that first round, she, I thought mm. she, she really, she got her head movement right and it, and she became mm. a, a lot harder for Rose to, to get clean yeah. shots off. Um, James, what did you think of that first round and who did you give it to? I gave it to Rose as well. I, I thought she uh, she did a little bit more in that round in terms of the activity, but it was a very close one. Um, I think overall this fight should have been a, a unanimous decision for Rose. I don't know how you would score that for Andrade. It was Like I said, it was close, but I just didn't think there was... I, like when it went there, I was pretty confident Rose was going to get the win. And again, we got to look at the optics of this. Rose lost that fight pretty brutally last time, right? Like she, I think yeah. you could argue in the last yeah. fight, she, she won the first round. Um, you know, she got taken down, but she was able to get up. Second round, she got taken down again, but this time she got slammed and then the fight ended. And it was just such a brutal knockout in a fight that she was winning. So to come back from that, I know she was the betting favorite in this fight, but to come back from that, the, the way she lost, having known that, that Andrade had already beat her, I mean, that's got to weigh on a fighter heading into a rematch like that. And, and with Rose, you know, again, if she would have lost this, I mean, that would have really set her back a lot. So for her to go out there and put on the type of performance she did, and it wasn't easy. I mean, we saw the post-fight interview. She had that big mouse over her eye because Andrade can hit. I mean, I don't know many women's fighters that can knock out like a Karolina Kovalkiewicz in the very first round like, uh, like Andrade has. So, um, you know, Kudos to Rose. Uh, she was able to make adjustments. She was able to use her range and uh, you know outstrike uh, Andrade and really uh, you know put a put a stamp on the on the strawweight division because I think she's going to fight uh, Zhang Weili next for for the title. Yeah, and I will really look forward to that fight. Wow. How do you think um, she gets on with Zhang Weili? That's what's so I, interesting. Yeah, do, yeah. Do you have a prediction of, for that? It's tough because obviously uh, Zhang is is kind of um, kind of in so, some ways similar. Right? Well, I was just going to say she's similar to Andrade in that sense, right? So mm. can Rose use her range? Can she go out there and uh, you know do it? If she has a similar performance like she had against Andrade, I think there's a chance she could do it. Yeah. Um, but but it's really tough with Zhang Louis Lee because she just looks so good in those last two fights. I mean, to go out there and absolutely dismantle Jessica Andrade to win the title that mm. was so impressive, and then to uh, you know do the damage she did to Yoni and Jacek. Like no one's done that to Yoni and Jacek in her career. 
career. Like Rose knocked her out, but to do that accumulation of damage is just crazy. So uh, maybe my early picks Rose, I don't know. But it, like, again, you have to wonder, um, you know, how, how this is going to sort of pan out. Another interesting fact about this fight too, they both have the same manager. So I'm pretty positive this fight's going to happen. They're both rep by Sucker Punch. So I expect that fight to take place uh, maybe this year, or maybe early next year. Who have you got, Richard, That'd for that fight? One. That's really, really difficult because uh, Zhang Weili, I think, is uh, better than than um, than Amanda. Like a harder fight, um, but so not Jessica, so not Amanda. But um, I think if Rose performs like she did last night and can keep at range because she's really long girl, um, then she can do it. So I'm sort of fifty-fifty, but I'm gonna just say I'm gonna say Rose because uh, she's got time to make adjustments to her game and. Uh, It'd be a hell of a fight. It's a, a big, fight. big shout. That is, I am, um, I, uh, Zhang Weili just impressed me so much mm. in her last fight. It was just, I was, I, yeah. like, because we, me and Danny spent about forty minutes just talking about that fight. It was just so enjoyable, and it was just so impressive. I just really thought it was something special to behold from a performance point of view, and just an all-round spectacle. I just thought it was special. Um yeah. so I find it very difficult to 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 imagine her then losing to Rose. But then we you know, we've seen we've seen Rose put on some real special performances uh in the past. She's more than capable. Um and I I really feel like this break did her the world of good because she looked mm -hmm. so refreshed in this fight. Uh round two, Richard, where where uh, how did you see that and who did you give it to? I gave that to Rose because uh, she was more in control of the the range the fight was fought at. So I think it was, it was a pretty close fight throughout. But um, round two, uh, more decisive. Um, I'm going to go with Rose. For sure. Uh, James, what about you? Yeah, I went with Rose as well. I think uh, just, again, the activity was a little bit more, um, you know, you got to look at sort of, uh, you know, who is the aggressor as well. I think Rose did a great job of that. So I gave her the nod in that round as well. Yeah, it was very impressive. I gave that second round to uh, to Rose, and then uh, the final round uh, I gave to Andrade. I felt like she really pushed out for the to try and get a finish in that final final round. Um, James, how did you see, or what were your the parts that you picked out from that third round? Third round, yeah, it was a little bit closer. I mean, Rose took some damage. You visibly saw her face get a little bit bloodied up. Um, I wouldn't have an issue if you if you wanted to give that round to Andrade. I thought that she did quite well in that round. But uh, again, like I think overall, Rose did win that fight. If you look at the the overall three rounds, I think Rose was a little bit busier. Uh, did did a really good job of sort of avoiding the power of Andrade as well. I mean, not in that third round. She certainly got uh, you know clipped a few times. But uh, but in general, I thought that uh, Rose uh, did enough to to get her hand raised. And um, you know, again, it was it was a close round. It, like none of these rounds were like decisive they were very close and i think that's that's the sign of a good fight and that's why everyone sort of enjoyed it last night yes it was very enjoyable uh, and that third round for you richard any uh, any points I'm, that you I'm, wanted to add give uh, i'm going to give that round to jessica andrade um i just think she sort of stood out more in the round she got a nice hip toss um and uh, there's a few other significant moments so there's a good hip throw and uh, i think it was just the the signs of damage on on rose's face was really starting to show so ultimately, I, I scored the fight rounds one and two to Rose, round three to Jessica. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so uh, it was Rose Namunis defeated Jessica Andrade by split decision. It was 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. I think the right decision. Um, I don't think there was any qualms with that one, James. 
No, no, no. I mean, I, I think that um, I, I think, again, that that Rose clearly won the fight because um, it was it was a split decision, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Split yeah. So I, I think it should have just been a unanimous for Rose. Like, I, yeah, like I said, you, you could have given that last round to Andrade. But I mean, the first round was a little bit closer, but I don't know. I, I thought Rose clearly won. Yeah, me too. I, I, I did think it was a unanimous decision, but, you know, at least the main thing is that it was the right decision. Um, and we're not talking about, you know, like a, a some sort of robbery, as is the term going around social media today. Um, and next up was the, uh, the the UFC Bantamweight Championship. Um, another uh, impressive performance by Petter Jan, who uh, ranked number three, but uh, facing Jose Aldo, ranked number six. Um, take me through this first round, uh, Richard. Yeah, it was um, uh, a good round. I, I give the round to uh, Peter Yan. Um, Aldo was doing really good with the leg kicks. Um, and then um, Yan landed some big overhands. And then when, when it went to the ground, I forget how, how they went to ground. I'm trying to think who instigated the takedown. I can't quite remember. But um, Yan's ground and pound was really really effective so he's postured right up and he's striking down and then he catches Aldo right on one of the ribs and uh, at that point if it was if there was more time in the round I think Yang could have stopped Aldo because he sort of he stopped responding he just when he hurt his ribs he just covered up just to stay safe so uh, you know it's a very dominant round for Peter Yang yeah those um, those body shots in particular seem to give him a spot of bother um mm. So what did you have for the first round, uh, James? Yeah, I completely agree with everything Richard said. I mean, uh, there, Jan was very close to winning that fight uh, in, in the very first round because you could see Aldo was hurt, and it was just like maybe if there was like 10 more seconds, the uh, referee might have stepped in and stopped that. But, uh, yeah, that was totally Jan's round. Looked great in the in the early going. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to point out, like heading into this fight, the big question was, you know, again, kind of like one of the fights we talked about earlier with uh, Prohaska, is how good is Piotr Jan? Because his biggest win heading into this fight was Jimmy Rivera, right? So, um, you know, he hadn't fought anyone to the caliber of Aldo. And while Aldo... Like he was coming on a bit of a losing streak, right? Like he had, like I think he was what two and four in his last six or something. Look at who he's fighting! Like world champions, guys like Volkanovski and Holloway, and even Marlon Moraes. Like how many fighters go the distance with Marlon Moraes? Like barely anyone. So um, yeah. that that was the question heading in there: Is Jan that good? Is he that talented? Or is it a case of him just fighting easier competition? Well, that first round certainly set the pace for the fight, where it's like Jan is pretty damn good, isn't he? Like he was landing, he was getting the shots in, and like I said, almost finished Aldo. You had to give that round to Jan just because he was like this close to finishing it. Yes. Um, yeah. Go on, Rich. Aldo hasn't. He's not. Um... He's so amazing, and it's of course that with his style, he just dominated the featherweight division for for like ten plus years. He was looking unstoppable, but since he fell off, I don't see him doing many things to change his style to make it less predictable for his opponents. He stayed true to his original form, you know, which got him the belt, made him the long reigning champion. But I think he needs to make some adjustments, and he's he's sort of not just, he's just not doing them at the moment. Um, but so he he looks like classic Aldo last night, but classic Aldo is who they're studying. When when you when you're going to fight Jose Aldo, you're going to watch back the tapes and you're going to think of a strategy based on what you see. And he's not changing his game plan; he's staying the same. And I think this is why these great champions are now beating him. You know, to be able to go three rounds with Peter Yan, you know, you're at a world elite level, but he's just not doing that 
extra bit that's required of like the best in the world. I don't think. Just needs to change it up a little bit. Yeah, I think staying the same. I just think, um, even though we discussed that you know he's not quite thirty-five, Aldo. Um, like I do feel like, particularly uh, with the weight division change, um, Petty Jan is cementing himself as one of the best in the world uh, over these last few fights. Um, and I thought, I thought tonight was, or last night, should I say? I thought it was very important for him to to put on a really good performance against Aldo and make sure that it was no, there was no slip ups, uh, nothing. You know, I think it was important for him to be uh, pro- almost have a professional victory and, if possible, be, you know, get a finish. But I thought he was dominant. Um, you know, particularly, uh, I don't know about you guys, but by the by the finish. I was kind of like, come on, we stop the fight. There's them. There's that. Of there's that meme, isn't there, of the Simpsons, um, yeah. where it's kind of like he's stopped. Stop, he's already, already dead. dead. Yeah. yeah, and I that was what I, I was kind of thinking of that particular meme at the, because it got a bit uncomfortable towards the end. Was but, a late stoppage, I think. Yeah, I thought so. And like for me, I'm all for letting fighters, you know, give them as much chance as possible. But when you're taking um, unprotected headshots over and over again um you know knowing what we know and probably what we'll go on to find out about concussions and and brain trauma i'm not sure that that's a good look overall and particularly for the long-term health of fighters because the end you know he was turtled up he wasn't defending himself and he took i would say probably 15 to 20 shots to the head yeah. without even moving his hands to kind of you know to to adjust to where the punches were coming he just had his hands like this mm. um but you know I, i'm not a fighter i'm not a referee so maybe i'm wrong there um no he wasn't trying no, to not. improve his position at all um just effectively he could have tapped um but i think a lot of fighters don't ever want to tap uh, yeah, Michael Bispin made a good way. point about that actually, because he said but, as he was taking those shots, he said, you know, he should be tapping now from the punches, but he won't because of the type of man and fighter that he is. But yeah. ultimately, that's what, in my opinion, that's what combat sports referees are he supposed to be the referee there. To stop it at that point, and yeah. The but then, I'm should his sure. corner step in? Should they kind of should they throw a towel in? I know it's not the done thing, and yeah. and and the fighter probably wouldn't be happy about it. But ultimately, mm. doesn't someone need to protect Jose Aldo for himself at some point? Yeah, I mean, I think the corner were probably expecting the ref to do it. Uh, yeah, you know, he he did do it eventually, but it was just um, really to take his time stopping that fight. No. Well, and here's here's the other thing too. Like, I think corners have got to be a little bit more honest about themselves. Like, you remember even in the, on the Andrade fight where I think this, the, her corner was telling her she was up two two to nothing or something, and it's like, no, you're not. Like, like there's got to be more emphasis, more more of a you know sort of a unbiased lens when it comes to fights because if you're Aldo's corner, you know he wasn't winning that fight heading into in the late rounds. Like, so if he's if he's taking this punishment, stop the fight. It's like Glover and, and Anthony Smith, same thing. Like Anthony Smith was not winning those rounds. Your corner's got to come in there and say, look, like. 
enough's enough, right? Like, I, especially I think when you're down, if it's a close fight, I have a little bit more sympathy for the corner if they were willing to let it go on a little bit longer. But in a, in a case where you know you're not going to come back and win, and like when a guy's that fatigued, like how often have we seen like a fifth round comeback? That like never happens, right? So I, I think they got to look at that as well if you're the corner and, and do that. And and two, the referee, I mean, they both have blame in this as far as letting that go on a little bit too long. But uh, but yeah, um, great performance by Jan. That's the unfortunate yes. part is Jan had a great performance. And I'm not saying like, because we're talking about it here, but I think in general, the talk unfortunately is going to be how late the stoppage was instead of how good Jan looked. I mean, he did his job, right? So, yeah, um, and I thought he was very impressive, really, really impressive, actually. And um, what's what's next for uh, Peter Jan, uh, James? For you, Sterling, what would you Sterling. Sterling? Yeah, and 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 this is the thing I love about Jan too. Like he didn't he didn't say, you know what. I'm going to hold out. We're going to do a super fight with Volkanovski's. I want to make a lot of money, right? Like we've seen that with a lot of these champions lately where it's like they want the big money fights. And I get it. Everyone wants to get paid more money. Who doesn't want to get a bigger paycheck? But I like how Jan immediately was like, no, it's Sterling. Like he earned it. He should have probably been in this title fight, right? Yes, like he, he gave respect to him. So already I'm a huge fan of Jan and, and, and you know, being the title holder here because he, he recognizes the, the body work that Sterling's done. And that's going to be a fantastic fight. I'm just so glad he didn't say like, no, you know what? I want to fight. I want to fight Dominic Cruz because he's a bigger name. No, let's stick with the rankings. Let's continue this momentum and uh, let, let's let's continue on with this. So uh, I thought that was great on Jan for, for him to say that. Yeah, I saw um, a quote from, I haven't seen the interview. I saw the, a quote from Dana White afterwards. He was asked about Aljamain Sterling being the next title contender. And um, he wasn't uh, too... Uh, he wasn't too committed, uh, commit, committed to it, shall we say. Um, he just doesn't seem to to really want to commit to that fight, which is strange because, for me, Sterling is the absolute standout for the, the next title shot. So it doesn't make too much sense to me. Um, unfortunately, I've got a sneaky... I say unfortunately, but I I wonder whether... Um, oh, I forgot his name. His name's gone off the tip of my tongue. Um, Bantamweight? Yeah, the oh, I can't remember Cruz. Uh, no, the other Cejudo? one. Uh, Cejudo. No, ah, oh, it's gonna. Right, they'll come to me in a second. Uh, Richard, who would would you put Sterling in there as well, uh, or would you uh, go I've for someone else? Ne- I've never seen Sterling fight. Uh, ah. when, when I watch UFC, I, I'm always sort of mainly focusing on, on lightweight and featherweight because I watch UFC to learn from them. You know. Yeah, yeah. So. I often don't find time to catch all the cards. Watch his fight with Corey Sanhagen. That was really impressive. That was his last fight. Yeah. Uh, if you can go, if you can go find the footage, because Sanhagen, I think heading into it, had never been finished, and Sterling went out there and finished him in the first round. So really impressive. And the fight before that too, uh, that, as uh, you know, I'm sure most people can attest. That fight he had with Pedro Munoz, amazing fight. That was last year at UFC mm. 238 in Chicago. It was awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely yeah. do some studying on him. Yeah, yeah you know, he was. It was. He's, you're right, James. That was a superb performance. Um, next up, we had um, another uh, cracking fight. And in my opinion, we had the, the real Max Holloway turned up for this one. Uh, the UFC featherweight championship, Alexander Volkanovsky defended versus uh, the number one ranked Mr. Max Holloway. Uh, Richard, how did you see the first round? Um, first round, I'll give this to Max. So I've just got some notes here. But, um, oh. What I noticed about this uh, fight, so Max has got amazing boxing um, and he tends to win most of his fights on the feet with the hands. And I just, we saw like a much greater variety of techniques. So he's thrown a lot of kicks this time. And I think the reason, he was throwing a lot of kicks. And then for that reason, um, um, Volkanovski wasn't throwing half as many leg kicks as he did the first time. But I think he knows that 
that's the obvious game plan. So he's tried to switch it up. Um, and then I see that Volkanovski uses the inside leg kick. Most of the time, that's a range finder. So he throws the inside leg kick just to sort of see where they're out. It lands, it doesn't do great damage. Max wasn't bothered about them leg kicks landing at all during the fight because an inside leg kick is, it doesn't do a lot of damage unless the opponent is heavily grounded, but he sort of skips in with it, just skips in, throws it, and when he lands, he knows he's in range for a big overhand, which is usually what he's looking for. But um, I give that round to Max. I just think much greater variety of strikes being thrown and landing. Um, Volkanovski was landing some good shots as well, but um, what's Max is who stands out in my mind for that round. Yeah, I thought so. Um, I thought, and I thought it was a good start by Max Holloway. Um, he had some trouble with the the kicks in the first fight, and I thought he mm-hmm. did a good job of uh, nullifying the damage that they they never looked the same threat that they had in the yeah. first fight. Um, James, did you what do you think Holloway did differently to nullify those kicks compared to the first fight? I just thought overall, yeah, like you guys said, he looked like the old Holloway. He was aggressive. He was coming in there. He was really just sort of looking like the Holloway we saw against Aldo, where he just, you know, came forward, threw body shots, threw kicks, did did everything he needed to do, and really made sure that Volkanovski could get in, in on the inside. Like, early on, it really looked like Volkanovski was having trouble which was kind of the opposite of the first fight where Volkanovski was able to get in. But in this fight, it's like Holloway was using his range well and Volkanovski was unable to sort of get in there like he would want. But first round, clearly Max Holloway. I When I was watching this, I was like, uh-oh. Like, this is the old Holloway's back, right? Like, it sort of looked like that uh, in the early going. And, and you could just see, you even saw, I think it was either the first or second round, you saw Volkanovski going to his corner, like, shaking his head, like, dude, what did I just do? It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um... I thought Holloway really pushed forward in this fight um, a bit more compared to what he did in the first fight also. Uh, Johnny Wish in the comments just said uh, Cody Garbrandt, and that is the, that's the name I was thinking of that, that I think, uh, not that I think deserves the next t- bantamweight title shot, but that's who I think the UFC might give it to. Yes, because they had that confrontation last year. That's a good point. And there's there's a couple uh, things I'll just mention here quickly. I don't want to divert too much off no, topic. No. But um, if you remember, they had that altercation at UFC 245 when Jan beat Faber. They had some sort of altercation backstage. You guys can uh, Google it. It's The video's there. They got in each other's faces. So I think there was that. And then you notice how that fight with the Sunset was the co-main event of that card, right? That was a little bit weird, wasn't it? Because like yeah. Garbrandt was coming off a couple losses. So was the Sunset. So why were they there? Like You could make the argument it's because he was a former champion. But that seemed a bit odd to me, whereas Sterling and Sandhagen were further behind, and that was the more important fight. So I think, yeah, I, I kind of have that theory that maybe they're going to angle for that just because everyone likes a good grudge match. But if you want to ruin Cody Garbrandt's career, you do that fight now. That's I'm seeing, like because, And it's nothing against Garbrandt. I think he did a good job in that win over a sunset. But why are we rushing him back into another title shot? That's what got him in this mess in the first place was them giving him the immediate rematch with Dillashaw, then giving him Pedro Munoz, which had zero upside for him whatsoever. Like Munoz was ranked high, but he's not a name. And Garbrandt went out there and did the worst thing he could do, which is try and outstrike uh, Pedro Munoz when Munoz has got knockout power, and he got knocked out himself. So if I'm the UFC, I'm being very careful about that matchmaking. I think you got to give Garbrandt another sort of you know fight that he can win because I don't think he beats Piotr Jan. I don't I don't know if anyone's going to beat Piotr Jan, uh, you know, except maybe Alderman Sterling. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, uh, Garbrandt has looked pretty good in his last couple of fights, but ultimately. Like you say, Aljamain Sterling is the is the guy. Uh, we got a question actually. Um, so just I'm gonna well, we'll finish off with this fight and then we'll go to the question from Alan. Um, uh, second round, uh, Richard, how did you find that? Um, 
even better round for Max again. So I'm going to give it to Max. Uh, this round, he uh, he kept doing the same combo a lot throughout the fight, and it's like a uppercut, rear uppercut lead hook, and he was doing brilliantly with that. In uh, the second time he landed that, he got um, Volkanovski quite wobbly, but he also got the head kick where he skims him, Shin sort of clips the back of the noggin, and um, it wasn't like a, a a vicious knockdown, but it definitely counts in my books. So he's, he's caught him off balance with that head kick. Um, and if you get a knockdown in a round, it takes a lot to win that back. So Max all the way with this round. Yeah, I thought this one was a, a, definitely a Max Holloway victory. Um, Volkanovski still looked uh, different. Uh, diff different. He looked dangerous uh, at times. He cracked him with a nice left uh, le sort of... I don't know if I'd even call it a hook, but it was like a looping left hand uh, towards the end of the end of the round. Uh, James, how did you find the second round? Did you go with Holloway as well? Yeah, easily Holloway in that one. The head kick, and, and just again, he really turned it up in that round. And that was the round where I thought, oh man, Holloway's going to run away with this thing. Like he really looked good uh, in that second round, especially just uh, you know again, Volkanovski had no answers for Holloway and uh, really put a stamp on that round. Like I said, with the kicks and everything else. So uh, yeah, clear clear round two for Holloway. Yeah, that second round reminded me a little bit of um, the, the Ortega fight, the early rounds of that fight yes. where he just looked almost like uh, he was, like you said, he's going to run away with it and he just looked like the old Holloway. Uh, but as any champion will do, uh, Volkanovski came back into it in the third round. Uh, Richard, what stood out for you from the third round? Um, third round, uh, much closer round. See, I think the two of them, Max and Volkanovski, they're such an equal match. And I do think we need a third fight. Because, um, so first fight, yeah, Volkanovski wins. And it was clear, it was decisive. But it wasn't dominant. But it was definite win, no doubt about it. And, uh, sorry, I just pulled my headphones there. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, this round um, was a bit closer. But I still give it to Max. Uh, he was coming mm -hmm, with some okay. nice flying knees. It, the volume of strikes wasn't as high as round one and two. But... Um, I I feel like he was more in control. So I'm going to give it to Max. Okay, I gave uh, I gave the third round to Volkanovski. I just felt that he settled down a little bit um and he started to get 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 his jab working, getting just just starting to not nullify uh I to use the same word again, uh, necessarily Holloway's uh, moving forwards, but I felt that he just slowed Holloway down a little bit yeah. uh, I mean, he with went his own first, work. First takedown attempt in the fight, yeah. but he didn't get him down, and I think takedowns, they have to get them down, but I think damage has to be done after the takedown for it to really score. Okay. Um, so, different strategy, but Okay, James, what did, what did you think of that third round? Yeah, so this this is what decided the fight, in my opinion. Okay, because and and I did like so last night when the card was going on, I was doing these reaction videos where as soon as the fight was over, I give my quick take on what I thought of the fight and my my comments on YouTube and YouTube, as we know, anyways, is a little bit iffy when it comes to the comments. But this was I, I'm still this morning getting comments about this. I thought Volkanovski won too, and the reason I did was because yes, he missed the takedown, but he also blocked a couple of those kicks and he had that counter left in that round. I think a lot of people forget about that. The commentary last night was a little bit iffy for me. Um, I felt they were very pro
Pro Holloway, which I saw, so. you know, so if you're just and, and I didn't actually have the commentary up that loud. I was sort of just watching it and kind of faintly hearing it in the background. So maybe that influenced like maybe I was just watching it without it. Maybe that didn't give me what I thought it did. But um, I, I thought it was this was the closest round of the fight. And I did think Volkanovski edging. Now, look, if you're going to give this to Max Holloway, no, no complaints there. But this was what decided the fight for me, because if you whoever you picked in that round, I think we can all agree would win the fight because, well, I'm, I know we're going to talk about the next two rounds, but uh, but spoiler alert, I thought Volkanovski won the next two rounds. So so I mean, to me, this is what decided the fight was that third round. And I thought this is where the tide changed for Volkanovski. And you could see it as fourth and fifth. He looked a lot better. But uh, look, I have no issues. I'll say this the third time. I have no issues if you want to give Holloway that third round and give him the fight. No issues there. But people saying this is a robbery. Come on. OK, because a robbery to me is where someone clearly lost every round or at least the majority of the rounds. And that did not happen here. Holloway won one and two. No debate there. You could maybe give him three. But two and or four and five were definitely a Volkanovsky. Like, go watch Diego Sanchez and Ross Pearson. That was a robbery. This yeah, was not a robbery. So, um, so, I disagree. Uh, I gave the third round to Volkanovsky. I gave the fourth round to Holloway. And I gave the fifth round to Volkanovsky. Uh, so I had Holloway winning 48-47. However, the fight was so close um, that I don't believe that you can... You know, I don't count it as a robbery. I wasn't, like, sat in my seat. Oh, my God, how could they give the, the victory to Volkanovsky? It was so close, you know? And I, as they were getting ready to announce it, I was like, well, I could go either way, you know? Um, Richard, what did you have for round four? So round four, I gave this one to Max as well. Um, Interesting. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm mostly pro Max for the whole fight. Um, round five, I give to Volkanovski, and because it's only in round five that he really started to get more urgent. Um, yes. But I give it to Max. I think he controlled the the tempo. The fight was fought out. Mostly the range. The fight was fought out. Uh, a greater variety of techniques. The kicks were dangerous. He kept doing this jump switch knee. Which is, you know, it didn't land flush, but it was presenting so much more danger throughout the fight. Um, it's it's an interesting one. Like, it's it's not a robbery, but I'm I'm convinced Max won. Um, it's kind of like the opposite of the first fight. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's close and competitive every single round, but one person was clearly in control. And when I'm watching it, I'm thinking about who's in control. And I felt like Max was mostly in control for the whole of the fight except for round five but i feel like maybe he was coasting a little bit because he felt like he'd done enough in the first four rounds so yeah it's close yeah. Like, like it's all opinions both, isn't it and i think yeah but with both fights there's no fighter who is clearly better yeah so, you know what i mean like so usually like we have a second fight and then we can be like okay so and so is obviously the greater fighter but but both fights are just really close and they're just they're equal, completely equals these two. Different so, styles. Great matchup. I'd love to see it again. Here's the problem for me is by uh, by running this back straight away, they've effectively ruled Holloway out of the title picture because he's lost twice. Um, so I think it's if it was just this fight, for instance, yeah. it was so close. Oh, I feel yeah. like they could run it back, but because he's, he's lost twice. Sure. I don't feel like they can run it back yet. 
Um, James, do you feel the same about that, or do you? Yeah, think... they're, they're not. I, I highly doubt they'll do the trilogy, especially with how many contenders are waiting in the wings. You've got the Korean yeah. Zombie, you've got Zabit Magomed Sharapov, you've got Yair Rodriguez. Plus, you got this featherweight fight coming up on Wednesday with Cater um, and Ige. Like the winner of that, if there's an impressive victory there, that could maybe propel them up there. You've got Josh Emmett waiting in the wings as well. Quickly, I want to go back to that fourth round though. Yeah, uh, yeah the, inside, the, the inside leg kicks to me for Volkanovski was was the difference, and not just that, but he, I believe he landed like a three punch combination as well in that round. So I think mm -hmm. like the leg kicks. I think went unnoticed not only by the broadcast team but I think in general by a lot of people and I think that's where um that 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 was the difference in, in a lot of cases but uh, uh we'll see like I I thought I thought four and five were clearly Volkanovsky's but uh you made some good point Richard yeah. like absolutely that's that's why I'm glad we're discussing this so so not be so biased he did also get um, a beautiful takedown in run four he had like the double under grip yeah he pulls him close and then he steps behind the leg it was really nice but mm -hmm not huge damage was done from the ground so sure. Holloway also missed really with a kick in that round too you remember that um yeah yeah he did yeah I'm trying to remember second yeah. second round that was wasn't it yeah second round yeah yeah do you know the more we talk about it i wonder whether my like i second guess my notes as we're going along mm. but you know that's why i had written down earlier on was that i had it for holloway uh round four round five uh i had for volkanovsky he showed a great deal of urgency in that that fifth round um he was looking for takedowns he was looking he hit him with a couple of really nice um uppercuts uh in the middle of the round and um yeah i, I tell you what max holloway's got a chin and a half on him uh, there's also there was um who stood out today for just taking some really clean shots uh, Holloway took a couple of really clean shots. Rose, yeah. um, the main event uh, in Masvidal, which we'll talk about in a minute, took some shots and just didn't even flinch. And I was I was very uh, impressed mm. in the ability to just uh, just not uh, not even take a backward step, let alone get knocked out. Um, James, you said you gave uh, that fifth round to Volkanovski. What stood out for you about Volkanovski's fifth round? Again, just the pressure, the the fact that um, you know I believe he, he got a takedown like right at the end, did he not? He was on top, or at least he was yeah. close to close to doing that. There, stuff like that really stands out to me in that round. Like I'd be, I'll, I'll, I'm curious to hear your scorecards, but I thought Volkanovski clearly won that fifth. I just remember coming away with that being like, oh yeah, he won the fifth, he won the fourth, third could have been close, but I thought Volkanovski took it. But again, I knew it was close, so I was like, when they were announcing the scorecards, I was like, they could say either one. I, I'm not going to have an issue with it. It was a close fight, in my opinion. That's how I sort of looked at it. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I had the final score. Uh, I gave that last one to Volkanovski. I scored it at 48-47 to Holloway, um, basically. So I gave uh, Volkanovski five and three, and then the other three to Holloway. Uh, Richard, what did you make of the fifth round, round, and which rounds did you give to who altogether? Round five is the one round that I can confidently say that um, Volkanovski won. Um, and like I said, he was more urgent this round, so more aggressive. Like I felt like throughout the fight, neither was trying. Like I know, like this happens a lot in title fights where they're not really trying to finish each other. And I think a lot of that is like, oh, we could be in here for 25 minutes, so I don't want to be exhausted in round four and be a sitting duck. So, but um, this one, um, he was a lot more urgent. Um, Max Holloway instigates the takedown at the end of the round, but. Um, Volkanovski reverses it and um, yeah so it's really good uh, I'll give that one to Volkanovski clearly so I'll give rounds one to four to Max Oof. and um, fifth round to 
Bogdanovsky. So you really, really mm. thought that. Uh, so, been, so you would really be in. Did, yeah. so would you be in the boat of these people who are saying that it was a bit of a robbery then? Uh, yes. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to say mm. robbery because it's almost like disrespectful to Volkanovsky because he's done such a great job. But yeah. um, I'm confident Max won. And I just think he looked more in control for most of the fight. Uh, yeah. Uh, round one, I think that's around where he drops him with the head kick. So that's a high scoring round. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard. It was competitive every second of the fight. But Max was in control. Interesting. So, Just yeah. out of interest, um, Richard, did you think who did you think won the first fight? Volkanovski, one hundred percent. Because I know some people, uh, Max felt like he won that, but no. yeah, yeah, I didn't, and, I but, couldn't see that. Myself. No way, man. Yeah, I was gonna say there's no. I, yeah. I was at, the, I was at that fight in Vegas, and I remember thinking like, wow, Volkanovski really like had the answer for, and that's why I picked Volkanovski heading into this fight because I was like, I don't think Max is gonna be able to adjust in time to to yeah, get this fight, but but he's, he's he he's surprised me. His, yeah, he's been training on Zoom. I yeah, I mean I that. That who knows if that's that. you know that could be gamesmanship, right? Yeah, yeah. Volkanovski said like he said, he come at him almost with an excuse as to why he was gonna lose when he talked about the whole Zoom class thing. Like, so, yeah, he basically like, said he just hadn't he hadn't been sparring. Was the pretty much what yeah. he had said? But mm. you know, like James said, you don't know whether how true that is because fighters have got you know because he doesn't have to and, accept if if he can't train properly. He doesn't, doesn't have to have take to the fight, does he? the fight. And uh, it's a world title fight. It's like, people are lucky to have one, two, three world title fights in their lifetime. So you don't throw it away like that. Think, oh, I've not been training properly, but uh, mm-hmm. all right. You know, he's guaranteed the fight. And he could say, you know, it's lockdown, quarantine going on. I'm going to have to wait. So, yeah, I do think there's a bit of a, a get-out clause from him, perhaps. Yeah, but he for looked sure. great, so it didn't matter. Yeah, um, so, James, uh, you had this for Volkanovski, I believe, wasn't it, altogether? Um, the official result was uh, Volkanovski defeated Max Holloway by split decision, 48 47, 47 48, 48 47. Um, look, like I said, I had it at 48-47 to Holloway. I don't think it was a, a terrible decision or a robbery or anything like that, however... But then it's interesting, isn't it? You know, we all had different opinions of it. Um, and Richard had Holloway as four rounds Pro to Holloway. one. And yeah. So it's just it's interesting how people can see it in different ways, I guess. Um, so just before we talk the main event, um, Alan Jones, a uh, big supporter of the show and channel, he said, Evening, guys. Uh, how do you think the Welsh lads will do in the Fight Island show this week? So you've got uh, on Wednesday, we have uh, Jack Shaw, fighting uh aaron, aaron phillips yeah aaron phillips newcomer and uh also we have john phillips fighting uh kazmat Chim- chimaev uh, so we'll start with those two uh richard do you want to go first uh can you come so, to me second i'm gonna i've got it yeah um, yeah go on you have a look then topology um, in front of me i'm a quick look so uh james uh jack shaw uh versus aaron phillips uh, yeah, I think this is uh, an interesting fight because Jack uh, John Phillips, I should say, has way more experience than uh, Chimaev um, as far as the... Because uh, I think uh, Jack Phillips is actually... Or John Phillips... I don't know why I keep saying Jack. 
because I'm picking a Jack Shore. That's why. Yeah. Uh, John Phillips is like a huge, is like a two to one underdog right now. I was looking at the betting yeah, lines, yeah. and he has way more experience. And I get it. I mean, Phillips has been a bit of a disappointment. He had three straight losses, and then he got the last win over Amendovsky. But uh, he's fighting a guy who only has six fights. Like I know he's undefeated and he's younger, and and the upside should definitely be on on the you know the newcomer. He actually trains at a team Nogueira. Uh, if I'm or sorry, not not Team Nogueira, All Stars Training Center. Sorry, this guy okay. fought in Brave. That that's that's sort of what it was. Um, but yeah, I think Phillips definitely has a good shot because he just has way more fights. Like we've seen this so many times. Like we had this a couple weeks ago with uh, Brianna Van Buren taking on Tisha Torres, where it's like everyone's counting Torres out because she's on a losing streak. We got to look at who she's losing to, right? So um, th- that I think could be the same case here. I think John Phillips is someone to keep an eye on. And then on the Jack Shore and Aaron Phillips fight, Jack Shore is probably going to win this fight. But Aaron Phillips, interesting uh, thing here, he actually fought in the UFC before. He lost two of his fights in 2014 to Sam Cecilia and Matt Hobar. Picked up a bunch of wins on the regional scene. Had a nice winning streak heading into this one. But he's, you know, he's battle tested. He's a guy that's fought good competition, and he's really got nothing to lose here. He's not the guy coming into this with an undefeated record. Yeah, and has a lot to prove, right? So that's a dangerous thing for any fighter, especially with the short notice switch up like he's going to be dealing with. So uh, I believe Jack Shore is one of the biggest. Actually, I'm just going to look right here. Jack Shore is right now a minus six fifty favorite. He is the bidding, biggest betting favorite on this card, and I get it. Trust me. But when you're fighting a guy who's got nothing to lose, it's a very dangerous thing. So um, I think. I think most likely Shore and um, and 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 I, I don't know if I can pick Phillips though, but but he does have a lot of experience. You know what? I will pick Phillips. I'm going to go Phillips and Shore. Welsh is going to take take the night. Dominate. Um, so uh, when I had uh, we, when we, when me and Danny had Jack on a few weeks back, um, we asked him about uh, whether the undefeated streak adds to the pressure. Obviously, he's made the move up from Cage Warriors champion to the UFC. He's made a, he made a real impressive UFC debut. Um, He's very, very highly rated. You know, his all-round game, his wrestling, his grappling, his striking, everything uh, on paper is very, very good. So we asked him, you know, is the uh, undefeated streak an extra burden, an extra pressure? Um, And Jack, I don't know if you've ever interviewed him, James, or or familiar with his interviews. He's very laid back. He's very calm. And he said it it kind of adds to the excitement and he just doesn't really think about the undefeated streak too much. Um, For me... Uh, his original opponent, I felt like Jack Shaw was going to, for lack of a better term, start him in the, probably the first round. Uh, I think Aaron Phillips may give him a bit more trouble, but I still expect him to win. Um, but I do think that the change of opponent has made it harder for Jack Shaw. Uh, John Phillips, um, I was kind of like, mm. and then now you've told me that he's 2-1, to one, um, I'm kind of like, oh, okay. I think I would probably take two to one on uh, John Phillips to, to beat just on experience, like you mentioned. Um, Richard, are you good to good to go, or because uh, yeah, I, I well, can move on to Brett yeah. Johns otherwise? For that one, I'm going to go with um, Jack Shaw. I think he'll get the job done. I can't. It's not an educated guess because I, I'm familiar with Aaron Phillips. I haven't watched him, um, but I just had a little little look, and I I feel like. Jack's fighting a higher caliber opponent in the Cage Warrior days. So, okay, I, I know okay. that his moves were calculated, but, you know, we look at um, Aaron Phillips when he's 8 and 3. He fights a Jeremy L- Rogers, who's zero wins, one loss. Then, following that, he fights Anthony Rettick, who's six wins, seven losses. So, you know, guys proven to lose quite a bit. Um, yeah. I'm not, not dissing him at all here. So, you know, we play with our health in this game. So, but I feel like Jack Shaw has proven himself more capable against higher caliber opponents. Yes. Um, I see I see that um, Aaron Phillips has quite a few KOs. 
and uh, Jack Shaw is very tasty with his boxing. So, yes, he is I'm indeed. Quite confident, Jack, because uh, I rate yeah. him, but I don't know who Aaron is. Well, no. I did. I interviewed him last week, guys. Go check it out on Odds HQ on their YouTube channel. I actually posted it the other day. If you guys want to watch my interview with Aaron, a lot of good insight into the camp he had too, because uh, he was a guy that um, you know sort of expected to fight soon. He was actually going to fight for Titan FC for their bantamweight title, mm. so he was already getting ready for a fight. He was already in camp, already putting in the work. So uh, people like mm. he even says it numerous times in the interview. He's like, "I'm not just coming off the couch. Like I was, I was ready yeah. to fight. So it's not like for people looking at this is like, oh, like he's not in shape or whatever. It's not the case with Aaron Phillips. But I agree, Jack Shore will probably." Um, yeah, he looks and, like a really fit lad on the picture I can see here, but it'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah, it'd be very interesting. Do you think John Phillips uh, will get the victory, Richard? Uh, one moment, just going to have a quick look okay. at John. Um, so he's fighting Kam Kamzat Chayamev. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. I, think, I, I think John Phillips is going to get the win because he's 22 and 9, 6 and 0. So 6 and 0 is his opponent, so he's never been beaten, but you know, that's achievable six fight win streak. But 22 fights, 22 wins and nine losses, that's, that's a hell of um, a lot of experience. And I think the experience will carry him through. Yes, yeah. And, um, and then finally, uh, we, or actually on Wednesday, I'll ask you both just while we're on it because I was going to ask you at the end of the show. Um, we have Molly McCann is also fighting. Uh, she's on now on the main card, actually. Uh, she is fighting... Uh, Ted, Talia, Talia Santos. Talia Santos. Uh, how do you think she'll get on, Richard? Just having a look at uh, Santos now. Okay, James. Do you know mm. where? Are you familiar with Santos? Yeah, think, actually, pre uh, I previewed this card uh, last week on my channel because of the yeah. two cards this week. So I, I am picking Molly McCann in this fight. I think she's, uh, I, I think she's riding a lot of momentum over the last couple of fights. She had that rough UFC debut against Jillian Robertson, where she got submitted in the second round. But I think since then she's sort of found the form that we saw in Cage Warriors, where she was, you know, really just looking impressive. And I think she'll do so here. Um, I know she's fighting a tough opponent in Santos, who's fifteen and one. But McCann's a gamer. I mean, you can't put her away. She's very tough, and uh, I see her coming out with the. Decision decision on that one yeah Got my yeah, answer i now. think so go on then go for it uh i'm quite confidently gonna say mccann possibly yeah. by knockout um ground a pound it'd be a stoppage i think yeah molly mccann's uh, got a very good um she's got a chin and she's she's very durable as well as being mm -hmm. very talented so i think it would take a lot to stop her um and then finally before we uh, do the main event um on saturday uh we have Brett Johns, who is fighting Montel uh, Jackson. There we go, Montel Jackson, who I'm sure you're um, quite familiar with, James, or at least more familiar than. than no, us. I'm, I'm I'm familiar with both actually, because Brett Johns used to fight in Titan FC. I used to interview a lot of their fighters a few years ago. So Brett was actually the first um, Titan FC bantamweight champion. So uh, Brett's a guy that you know unfortunately ran into some tough competition. I think he's coming into this one off back-to-back -back losses. Uh, released, uh, oh, he won, uh, no, he won his uh, last, last one. one. Sorry, yeah, that's right. Yeah, very impressive, um, actually. But he's fighting a guy in Montel Jackson who is huge for this division. Let me just find his stats here. Uh, Montel Jackson is 5'10 with a 75.5 inch reach. Uh, Brett Johns is 5'7 with a 70 inch reach. And that's how Jackson has mainly won his fights, just using his height and reach. Um, it's it's a tough one though because Johns I think actually on paper is probably the better fighter. But how is he going to be able to deal with that height and reach of Montel Jackson? It's a tough one. I, I would almost give like the, the other thing with ja uh, Montel Jackson is that he's just he's improving every fight. He's actually a year old or actually they're both the same age. They're both 28 years old. So 
it's really tough to say. And Jackson's been a little bit more active. I know John's uh, had a bit of a layoff. I believe he was heading into the last fight. Or uh, it was. I remember it was. It was. Uh, he missed all of. Um, I think it was from 2016 to 2017. I remember he missed yeah. a lot there. But uh, yeah, he's, he's come back a bit. Actually, sorry, he didn't fight at all last year. That's what I was trying to say. And he fought this year, so that's where we're coming off from that. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, might give a slight edge to, to Montel Jackson, but but we'll see. I mean, Brad Johns, like I said, I think he's better on paper. How is um, how is Montel Jackson uh, on the floor, James? Well, in the very good, and, very good. He actually very good submit, yeah, if you remember, he submitted Brian Kelleher in the first round uh, back at UFC 232 uh, in uh, December of 2018, and that's you know Kelleher's been submitted before, but to do so so quickly, very 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 impressive. So uh, Jackson's going to be a problem for a lot of fighters in the division just with his build. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I I I can't go against the Welshman. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, with Brett. Um, I felt like his comeback fight. Um, I forget the gentleman's name before. He was a. It was the guy's UFC debut. He's really, really good wrestler, and um, but Brett was very impressive. So uh, he looked back to his uh, original, uh, his original self. And Brett, people sometimes forget as well as Brett fought a really high level uh, caliber of opponents, uh, and he did very well. Uh, one of which was Aljamain Sterling. Um, and if you look at the guys that he fought, Pedro Munez, uh, you know these guys are at the top of the divisions now. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Brett Johns for that one. Uh, what about you, Richard? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Brett Johns as well. He's uh, got a very solid record, 16 wins, two losses. Um, then two losses are to outstanding competition. And then since then, he's seems to have learned yeah, from sure. his mistakes. And um, so I just, based on experience, perhaps, um, Brett Johns. But like I said, it's another quite uneducated guess coming from me. So I'll be interested to see it. Yeah, I think like James said, it's going to be a. It might depend on how Brett can, you know, really deal with uh, Montel Jackson's frame and and build because he is a he's a big boy. Um, okay, and uh, the main event of the evening was the UFC welterweight championship: Kamara Usman, the champion, versus number three George Masvidal. Took the fight on six days' notice. Mm. Um, which I think he deserves tremendous credit for that because, you know, without him, this this, this fight for our fell through. Um, I was really looking forward to Usman versus Gilbert Burns, I have to say. I was really, really looking forward to it. But um, I wasn't disappointed when this was announced as the replacement. Um, I was a little disappointed with how, how it was from spectacle, only a little bit. I, I still was, you know, I still enjoyed it. I still thought it was very good. Um, so I gave the first round to Masvidal. Uh, James, how did you see the first round? Yeah, it was Masvidal. Yeah, he 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 came out uh, looking pretty good. He was able to land his strikes and everything like that. And that's sort of what we expected here because, uh, you know, obviously Usman probably saw that Ben Askren fight. And he's like, I'm not going to go for a takedown <laughs> within the first five <laughs> seconds. So, um, you know, Masvidal just, again, he outstruck Usman in that first round. But, I mean, we'll talk about the rest of the fight. But it was all Usman basically after that. I mean, Masvidal had that one round. But, uh, but yeah, it was a pretty predictable fight, I think, even, even from the get-go. As much as people love Masvidal, you knew it wasn't a good style matchup for him. Yeah, I think... At the end of the day, I think I'm not sure if it was in the build-up to this fight or if it was an old quote which got kind of recycled this week. But basically, Usman said, "I, you know, I will wrestle if I need to wrestle, and I will strike if I need to strike. I will do whatever I need to do to win." Um, and sometimes people criticise Usman for his kind of fighting style, but ultimately, uh, I'm sure he'd rather win fights. And maybe not them be that exciting and be a champion of the world, than 
you know, be the most exciting fighter in the world, but not be the champion. Um, mm. I enjoy Usman's fights. Um, as I just, I enjoy all aspects of it. I enjoy but the grappling. You know, you can get some fights which are not enjoyable when they just go to the floor and then they just kind of don't move positions and they don't go for submissions and things like that. But, um, you know, I thought this fight was pretty good. I thought the first round, Masvidal took it, uh, his striking. Uh, Richard, how did you see the first round? Did you also give yeah. it to Masvidal? Yep. Uh, first round, also Masvidal. Uh, so he, he opens up with like five power kicks in a row. Just mm. bam, bam. Really heavy kicks. And then on the last one, um, Usman catches it on the inside, gets him down. But because of the aggression, it's Masvidal. With this fight, I feel like you know, uh, Masvidal's taken it on short notice, so he kind of knows he's got to finish this fight in his the same sort of style that we've seen in his last three outings. Aggressive, do you know what I mean? And um, yeah. whereas Usman is is going for a five round strategy, so he spent uh, after the that round when he knows Masvidal's going to be most dangerous. He spent a lot of time leaning on him just to like wear him out, pin him on the fence, and uh, fatigue him. So he becomes. The more fatigued he gets, the less dangerous he gets. It takes away all that explosive power. So, round one, um, 100% Masvidal. Rounds two to five is uh, all the same, really. Yeah, I, th I think Usman won every single round. Uh, yeah. So, rather than kind of going through each round with this now, um, what I will ask you both is, uh, I'll just kind of ask you to... To point out anything which really stuck out for you from each round, uh, James, from that second round, was there anything which kind of really stuck out for you for either guy? Um, I just, I just think the pressure of Usman, the, the conditioning. I mean, it was on point. I mean, Masvidal was smiling and kind of, you know, kind of taunting Usman throughout the fight. But Usman was landing. Usman was doing what he had. What I was actually impressed with Usman in this fight was he could have just wrestled the entire fight, but he didn't. He threw in some strikes as well. Yeah. I give him some credit. Not the most exciting fight in the world. Uh, a lot of people misconstrued that when I said that in my recap, thinking that I was implying the fight was boring. It wasn't boring, but it wasn't the best fight either. The Colby and uh, and Usman fight was a lot more entertaining, but that was just pure striking. But this this fight, I do give Usman some credit because he didn't have to strike with Masvidal. He could have just tried to out-wrestle him and use that. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was sort of the big thing for me was that I think Usman showed a well-rounded game and he's going to likely, well, it sounds like he's fighting Gilbert Burns next, which should be a very intriguing fight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you think uh, do you think Gilbert Burns will take that? That's interesting because they do train together. Uh, well, they used to, anyways. Usman's now training uh, with Justin Gaethje up at Elevation Fight Team. But um, but yeah, I think because Burns is so good on the ground. Like that's one of the things we forget about because he's been knocking opponents out. That he's like a high level jujitsu guy. So even if Usman's able to take him down with his wrestling, Burns is very dangerous off his back. Yeah. Um. So that's where things get interesting. And I'd almost argue that Burns has probably more power than Usman does. Like, if you just see some of the knockouts, like Usman, like he finished Colby, but it was later in the fight. Like, he's not known as a power puncher. I would say Gilbert Burns, with him knocking out Maya and him, you know, having some other knockouts as well, I think really shows that he does have that. So I think I'd probably still slightly favor Usman just because I think he's a little bit more well-rounded. But uh, but Burns, he, he like like I said, Burns has is so good on the ground and has such good knockout power that, I don't know, I'm almost tempted to pick Burns, but I feel like I can't. <laughs> Yeah, I feel almost the same way. Um, Richard, was there anything particularly which stuck out for you from those uh, sort of middle rounds, rounds uh, two, three, four? Um, nothing that really stood out, I, but I think it was a good fight still. Um, it wasn't the most exciting, but I, I enjoy watching strategy, if you know what I mean. Yes. Um, 
which a lot of casual fans don't necessarily because they might not understand the strategy. Um, so, yeah, he was holding him against the fence and kind of just keeping him there. But I could see that it was more that he wanted to do that because he knows Masvidal's not going to have the gas tank to be so dangerous in the later rounds. But he did actually look still quite dangerous. But, um, yeah, it was good. It was more just he was playing a five-round fight, you know. So if he's leaning on the fence and um, Masvidal's got his back to his fence, Masvidal's the one that's spending more energy. So it was good. A nice strategy applied. Um, wasn't the most exciting fight, but it was a good performance from Usman. Uh, a good effort from Masvidal. Um, you know, when they were when they break and they're out in the open, I feel like Masvidal is the more dangerous. Uh, he's throwing some nice kicks, um, but I think after round one, the chance of him getting the flash knockout again wasn't quite as likely. Yeah. Um, so here's a question for you both. Uh, so, Usman, uh, Usman defeated Jorge Masvidal by unanimous decision. Uh, 50-45, 50-45, 49-46. Um, James, I'll ask you first. Do you think that with a full fight camp, uh, Masvidal would have more of a chance of beating Usman, or do you think it would probably go the same way? It would go the same way. I think stylistically it was not a good match. Like, you can't teach that much wrestling within that period of time. Like, Masvidal's always had issues with, with the wrestling and, and the pace and everything. I mean, it would it would have been a little bit closer, but I, I don't think there was a way that Masvidal was going to win. Like, there were people, because, again, people get so caught up in, in past fights and they don't look at the style matchup. Like, there were people who I saw in my timeline saying, Masvidal's going to knock out Usman in the first round. Really? Because I don't remember Kamar Usman ever being knocked out in the UFC, right? Like, this is a, it's a, it, you got to look at the style matchup. Like, Masvidal has some good wins, but you really have to look at the context of those wins. And I just don't think he was ever going to go out there and get like a quick, like power finish. You know, he's not, Masvidal's not Justin Gaethje, right? Like it's, there's a, there's a difference in the style matchup. So I don't think it would have made a difference uh, in terms of the outcome, but uh, look, Masvidal is going to be fine. He lost this fight. It doesn't matter. He has double digit losses. Anyways, people want to see him fight. He can fight Colby. He can fight whoever people are going to tune in to watch. And he'll always have that with the, the success he had last year, becoming a superstar for the UFC. Yeah. He, um, he had quite the comeback, and he's uh, he's not going to be uh, struggling for the big fights, I think. And he would have been paid handsomely for this, stepping in at the last minute to fight on Fight Island. Uh, Jorge, Jorge Masvidal would have been had a nice paycheck for this, I'd imagine. Uh, Richard, do you think with a full fight camp, Masvidal would do any better? Definitely got a better chance, definitely. Um but I would still put, if I had to put money on it, I'd still put my money on Usman because uh, it's quite obvious it's a typical striker versus grappler setup going on. And um, often the grappler does win. They pressure and just smother the striking. So if they fight again, then um, he's got to work down his, uh, uh, Masvidal needs to work his um, counter-wrestling uh, counter and footwork so he can keep the, keep the game at range because that's where he's dangerous. Um, and, you know, he could knock him out. But if I'm putting money on it, I'm putting money on Usman to do the same thing again. Yeah, I think so. And uh, just to finish us off, uh, I'm just going to talk through the bonuses. Um, so, Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade, I think, had the fight of the night. And then performance of the night went to uh, the name which I can't pronounce there, uh, Jiri Prasaka. Prasaka, uh, I think. Yeah. Prasaka. Uh, see, I'm, I'm glad you're here, James, to, just to of let course. me know. Uh, defeated uh, Ozdemir 
in sensational uh, performance. And then, then was there one more? And also, Davy Grant had uh, a performance of the night bonus, which I'm really happy for him to get that 50, uh, the 50 Gs, as it were, because uh, his very impressive performance all around. Um, and there we are. Guys, I thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we've got a sensational week coming up on uh, Ace Podcast Nation. Tomorrow night, we've got the Andy Campbell Football Show. Uh, joining myself and Andy, we have former England and Liverpool striker, Mr. Emil Heskey. Uh, Wednesday, we have our cricket series, The State of Play, dropping with uh, myself and West Indian batsman, Kieran Powell, joined by West Indian fast bowler, Mr. Miguel Cummins, which is uh, was a real fun chat. And then Thursday night, we have another live Danny Batten fight show without Danny Batten. Uh, and this, on Thursday, I will be joined by Cage Warriors' hottest prospect, Welshman, Mr. Oban Elliott, which uh, I'm looking forward to because he's going to be discussing, obviously, his training partners in uh, Jack Shaw and the Brett Johns fight on the Saturday. And uh, we'll be having a good chat. So we'll be live Thursday, 8 o'clock. Friday again then, the Andy Campbell Championship show, live, 7 o'clock. And then we finish the week on Sunday evening with my story, I think it's episode number six, with former England captain, Mr. Adam Holyoke. So I'm uh, very much looking forward to this week. Got some great guests coming up. And um, yes, uh, James, tell the people your YouTube channel address, your social medias, and where they can find your fantastic work. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on. It was great chatting with both of you. It was really uh, love, love getting, uh, you know, love getting to talk about different stuff. And uh, we definitely disagreed on some stuff, which is great because I love that. It always makes uh, me a little bit better uh, here and there. Your audience can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Lynch on Sports. That's L-Y-N-C-H. And same thing on YouTube, youtube.com slash Lynch on Sports. That's where you'll find all my content. I, I work for a bunch of different outlets, but I always put my interviews and playlists on my channel so you won't miss any of them. And uh, thanks so much for having me on, guys. James, it's been a pleasure. I, I've uh, really enjoyed it. And if uh, if you're at a loose end on Thursday and you want to jump on with me and Oban, you're always you know, you're always welcome. And uh, Richard, thank you, my friend. Yep. Uh, thank you for coming uh, back on. You. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, James, it's a pleasure to meet you. And, you uh, as well. I'll check yeah. out your uh, podcast and that. So, yeah, let me know what you think. I yeah. get a fighter's perspective on this, you know, so that'll be good. Yeah, definitely. It's been, it's been a good one. And then next yeah. time you can uh, talk about Danny Batten's corner skills, can't you? Yeah, well, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm oh, for that. that's what I was going to ask you actually, because um, I've already asked Richard this, but I'll ask you, uh, James. I don't know how familiar you are with Modestus uh, Bukaskash. A little uh, bit, yeah. UFC he, he, debut he, Wednesday. Yeah, no, no. Very uh, well. I, I haven't watched a ton of his stuff, but I know he was with Cage Warriors. He was an outstanding guy. So his management company is actually based in the U.S. So he's a guy I've been, I've seen, like talked about for a while. I, if I remember correctly, he actually got signed to the UFC a while ago, and yeah. now he's just making his debut. So I've heard a lot of hype. I'm excited to watch him fight. I don't, like I said, I've never had the opportunity to interview him just yet, but uh, I know I'm sure I will in the future. Yes. Uh, I'm hoping that he can show what he can do, Richard, isn't it? Because uh, yeah. Could do some special he's, stuff. He's got what it takes to go all the way to the title, for sure. Because uh, I, I train with him, and he's there's there's nothing in the way. He's super focused. Every day he's at the gym, it's focus, um, and he's made a lot of sacrifices. And and you know, I, I I hang out with a lot of fighters, and I'm, I'm around them every day. And then you can just, just see who's who's 100 tunnel vision on the goal. Um, so I don't know about his uh, his opponent because there's been a recent change. But, yeah. Uh, 
I'm, you know, Mo's going to get the win, and I, I do think we'll see him fight for the title in, in time. Yeah, for sure. And uh, also, I will add to to both of you is um, I've had him on. Uh, I've had him, we had him on the Danny Button show, and I also had him on uh, a, an episode of Unscripted and Uncensored. And uh, he is an absolutely lovely gentleman as well, a top guy. Um, and we message back and forth now and again. He's just a nice bloke, I gotta say. But anyway, James, Richard, thank you for joining me. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in. It's been a pleasure, guys. And uh, we will see you next week, or I'll see you tomorrow for the football show. Please join us because it's going to be a good one with Emil Heskey. Cheers, guys. Bye. Nice. See you, guys. Podcast Network.